0: this morning. Uh, Hopefully when you were greeted as you walked in, you were able to pick up one of these sheets, our bulletins that has some announcements on there. There's a couple uh, that I want to highlight to make sure you're aware of. One of them is tonight we will not be having life groups. Uh, We're canceling life groups for today because next week we're starting off and we will have all the life groups are going to meet up at the building uh, at six o'clock At 5 o'clock, and so on Sundays, and we want to make sure that you're here for that. Also, you'll see, we haven't referenced this a whole lot, um, but what we have here is we have been uh, collecting bathroom tissue, is what we call it here. Bathroom tissue. We're collecting that for the children's home of Lubbock. And to help motivate you, we have set a goal to have enough bathroom tissue... ...to stretch from here, this building, all the way to the children's home in Lubbock. And if I remember correctly, that number is somewhere around 118 miles... ...which uh, equates to 3,523 rolls. Uh, So the other day, we opened up all the packages, rolled them completely out and measured it. And we got to 76 miles. It was a lot harder to roll them back up, but we got them back in the packages... Which means we're two-thirds of the way there, and we have two weeks left. So we need a real big push to see if we can't reach our goal. So if you would make sure to get some this week uh, and set them on the table, we have two weeks. And we'd like to ask for you to do that. And then we're going to send those over to the children's home at Lubbock. And they should have enough bathroom tissue for quite a while. And any extra, I had a conversation, um, that's okay because we're going to use that. Um, to roll somebody's house. So we should be fine. Don't worry about the extras. We're thinking about Tommy Spoon since we're heading that way. We'll just leave the extras in his tree. Um, One more announcement I need to make that's not on here, that's that's very important. Uh, I I received a phone call uh, this morning uh, from uh, uh, one of our elders um, who is out of town today but has never stopped being an elder. uh, And he has found out um, through various sources uh, that uh, Rhonda Dunn, a former member, member here, has passed away. Uh, and so we want to be uh, in prayer for her and her daughter uh, Jeannie. Uh, and so right at this time, we're going to ask if you wouldn't mind if we could stop and offer a prayer on the Dunn family. And we'll continue on. Father God, Memorial Day is a day that uh, has mixed emotions. Uh, For many of us, uh, we celebrate. Uh, It's an opportunity to have a day uh, away from work and a day with our family. A time of picnics, uh, a time of uh, being together, and a time of laughter. But we also recognize that it is a difficult time for many families. Who maybe this is the first time that they're going through Memorial Day without a loved one. Or maybe it's the 50th. But Lord, we don't want to forget, even in our celebrations, that we are able to celebrate because there are men and women uh, who risk their lives so that we could have the freedom uh, that we enjoy. Uh, We forget what it means to have the freedom of speech and the freedom of religion, but as we gather together this morning, I pray that we do and we give thanks and so, Lord, right now, is, today is a day of celebration in many ways because of what Jesus did. We know that there is still hurt and turmoil in this world. And there is loss. And so, Lord, we just uh, pray that you will comfort the Dunn family. Use this family here to reach out to them in their grief. And minister to them in a difficult time. And let us continue to point to a God who loves and the Son who saves. May you be glorified in all that we do. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. As I've mentioned previously, this is one of the more difficult sections of Sermon on the Mount to preach. We are now getting towards the end and Jesus has basically finished the body of the sermon and now He goes into the conclusion. He goes into what we call the so what. And we talked about last week, two weeks ago, when we were studying the Sermon on the Mount, we were in Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. And it's a song where uh, it is a verse that we're familiar with. It's the wide and the narrow gates. And some argue, scholars say, is this a warning from Jesus or rather is this a challenge? And so it's something I want us to think about, but this is not the first time that such a challenge or warning perhaps would have been issued. In Deuteronomy chapter 11, as we look back, we hear these words. These are the words that God is saying of, of love the law and obey my commands. And He says this in verse 28 of Deuteronomy 11. See, I'm setting before you today a blessing and a curse. The blessing if you obey the commands of the Lord your God that I am giving you today. The curse if you disobey the commands of the Lord your God and turn away that I command you today by following other gods which you have not known. You see, God makes it clear from the very beginning that you either choose me or you don't choose me. Even earlier in the Sermon on the Mount, He was very clear about that. You can serve God or you can serve money. You can't serve both. You're either going to love one and hate the other or you're going to be devoted to one or despise the other. You can't serve both of them. And so there is this watershed moment that has to take place in your life. Not just spiritually speaking, but physically speaking, emotionally, financially speaking. You have to decide, is God really that important to me? Am I willing to go all out for Him, or am I going to turn and walk away? Well, if you're like me, you've had the tendency, the temptation to want to try to walk right in the middle. Say, I'm over here now, but sometimes we want to sneak back and forth. But Jesus makes it clear as He closes out the Sermon on the Mount, you either have to choose me or you don't. And it's a topic we don't really want to talk about, because it's the one that as I read it and look at it, I tend to have a bit of a lump in my throat as we look at this. But join with me as we look at and read Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 15. Watch out for false prophets. bear good fruit every tree that does not bear good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire thus by your fruit you will their fruit you will recognize them not everyone who says to me on that day lord lord will enter the kingdom of heaven but only he who does the will of my father who is in heaven Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in Your name? And in Your name drive out many demons and perform miracles? And I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Now, how many of you does that get the hair on the back of your neck raised just a little bit? How many times do you feel like maybe I'm doing the right thing, I'm doing the good thing, but then we read Matthew chapter 7 and we say, Ooh, I don't, I'm not really sure. What does this really mean? And so then we find ourselves in this war. Am I doing good enough? And and then it comes over to, oh, it's now works and the things that I have to do. And we don't want to take away grace, but I want you to know this. This is a burden that has been on my heart the day that I, I came here to Taylor Street over a year ago. I began to understand real quickly. I feel like I have a great responsibility in sharing you what I believe is the gospel. And the gospel is this. God sent His Son Jesus because He loves you and He died for you. But you also need to know this part of the Gospel. God's grace covers those who accept it. And those who truly obey Him and love Him and follow the commands that He has. But not everyone is going to follow Jesus. In fact, there will be some who claim to follow Him, but yet they didn't make the connection. And they missed out. And as Christians, we have to understand that even while there is grace that is poured out us on us over abundantly, there's still a call that we have to accept it and to be obedient servants of His. Let's just take a minute and look at a few of these passages. It says, watch out for false prophets. What do you suppose a, a false prophet might be? Quite simply... It's one who prophesies falsely. That's pretty simple, isn't it? A false prophet is one who prophesies falsely. In fact, if you look over at uh, Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 21 and 22, it says, You may say to yourselves, how can we know when a message has not been spoken by the Lord? If what a prophet proclaims in the name of the Lord does not take place or come true, that is a message the Lord has not spoken. That prophet has spoken presumptuously. Do not be afraid of him. So it's real simple. A prophet is the one who prophesies, who says something that is going to take place, and when it takes place, you know, aha, that is a prophet. But if someone claims that something will happen and it doesn't happen, what are they? All right, okay, that was an easy question. That was, are you awake? question. Okay, if they prophesy falsely, what are they? So this is a moment where I want to take a second and remind you of my good friend Jonah. And we give Jonah a really hard time, don't we? Because Jonah's the one who said, oh yes, when God says, I want you to go to Nineveh, he says, okay, the next morning he packs his bags. But he doesn't go north and east, he goes south and west, and he's about to get on a boat, and he's going to head across. And there's a, a big storm, and Jonah gets thrown over, and he's eaten by, not a whale, a big fish. This large fish, and he's in the belly of the fish, For three days, and he has this beautiful prayer where he says, God, thank you for delivering me. He's still in the fish. The fish spits him out, he goes to Nineveh. Right? He walks into Nineveh. It says in the Bible, in in Jonah, that Nineveh is a three-day journey to get across. But in Jonah chapter 3, Jonah goes one day into the city. That means he didn't even hit halfway He got at best a third of the way into the town. And according to the Hebrew, he says five words. But the five words in English are translated uh, like this. Forty more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. That's it. That's all we have recorded as far as we know. After he said that, he turned around, he walked out, he went up on a hill, he got his lawn chair ready, and he was looking forward to the fireworks because he knew that in 40 days God was going to destroy Nineveh. And we know this story. The Ninevites and the king, they repented And they tore their clothes and they put on sackcloth. It goes so far that they even took their animals, they chased them down, put them in sackcloth, and they repented. And Jonah was waiting for the fireworks that never came and he got mad. Now there's, you could say, well, Jonah's just a mean, evil person and he likes to see people get hurt. There's a couple things we forget. Nineveh is the capital of Assyria. In about 50 years, Assyria is going to come down and they are going to take into captivity his land. And he's going to carry off the, the, they're going to carry off the northern kingdom. The second thing is, what does a prophet do? He tells what? The truth. It means he says something that's going to happen. What does a false prophet do? He says something that what? Doesn't come true. Jonah walks into the city. He says, 40 days, and you're going to be destroyed. He walks out. What happens? God shows mercy. And Jonah says, thanks God. Really, on the fact that I can't stand these people, and they're our sworn enemy, on top of that, you have made me a laughing stock. Because you told me to go say something that's going to happen, and it didn't happen. And he says this, and most people would consider this a praise. He gives this as a sort of indictment, and accusation. He says, Lord, I didn't want to come here. You want to know why? Because you're a, a gracious God, slow to anger and abounding in love. What he was really saying is, you should have been mean and killed him. But now I have to go home. And these Assyrians are going to come hot after our trail and kill us in a few decades. And not only have I been a traitor because I went and tried to minister to them, but now I'm a false prophet. And so false prophets in that sense talks about people who say things are going to happen, but they're not going to happen. Now let's fast forward a few hundred years and land in the New Testament and talk about what does false prophets mean then. For them, that was Gnostics. They didn't believe that that God came down in the flesh because the flesh is bad. And so Jesus couldn't be actually God and human because God would be the good part, but flesh is the bad part, and He can't be that. And so they start saying, no, this doesn't really happen. Well, Paul steps in he says, hang on just a second. You need to know that these are false prophets. You have to be prepared. So how do we look for them? we have to look and see. 1 John chapter 4 verse 1 says dear friends do not believe every spirit but test the spirits to see whether they are from God because many false prophets have gone out into the world. And in fact later we read that some of these false prophets actually belonged to the church that John was addressing. And he's saying test the spirits. You know, God calls us to be wise and to examine both ourselves and, and other people as we look to find out what the truth is. I want to take just a moment and I want to talk about what it might look like. So I have a, a couple of friends that I'm going to invite up here. I think they're still here. Kylie and Haley, do you want to come up here? I know y'all are told, I see y'all wrapped up, but I need your help for a minute. We're going to talk about what it's like to, to test um, things. Uh, one thing, and this is just a little promotion here, uh, this is kind of uh, uh, under the cover, we're going to do this real quick. Um, VBS is coming up in a week, uh, a week from tomorrow, and it is going to be over the theme of the fruit of the spirit. And this is a really important... I love the fruit of the Spirit. I'm not going to put you on the spot. Does anybody know the fruit of the Spirit? Okay, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. You just earned yourself a banana. Everybody's looking. Oh, I hope he asked another question. I will say this. I don't don't know if you're allowed to eat it in here right now. Well, actually, I, I may let you eat it in here anyway. But we're going to talk about how important it is to test the Spirit. So I'm going to pull off, okay. Um, it's important when, when they're talking about the fruit of the Spirit, sometimes we get confused and we call it the fruits of the Spirit. Um, and I just want to clarify that and, and make sure that we understand that it is the fruit of the Spirit. And there's a big reason why there's not an S on the end of it. How many of you have seen a tree that grows oranges, apples, bananas grapes. has of you seen one of them? And if you have, let me know cuz I want one of those. It's there isn't one. He's talking about in Galatians uh chapter 5:22. They're talking about the fruit of the spirit, things that come out of a life in who is filled with the spirit. Okay? And so, I'm just going to use this as an example. We have uh, who would like to try the first one? I, yeah, I'm I'll open it for you cuz I don't want you. Okay? I want you to test it and make sure. Why don't you get behind her? It's not ticking or anything. Just, I want you to test it and make sure it's good. Just a just bite. You don't have to eat the whole thing. but just, Does it taste good? Okay, so she has just tested the spirit. Um, I want to, can I go ahead and give you one too? I bet you're pretty hungry. I'll go ahead. You're watching her. Because earlier you said I'd like to have one. Here, will you go ahead and open this one up for me? There you go. Oh, 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 what's the deal with that one? Go ahead and open it up. You, you got to pull. Oh, wow. That, what is that? It's a what? No, it's not. It's a banana. Just take a bite of it. You, you, it's a banana. Okay, hang on. Let me look for just a second. Let me hold this up. Do this, does this look like a banana? Does this look like a banana? Okay, there's your banana. There's your banana. Eat your banana. It's good. Open it up. Make sure everybody... They, oh, that looks yummy. That's a good-looking banana. You don't want a bite of it. Uh, you, don't, you, you need it to be grilled. Is that the deal? Okay, so maybe this is a weird-looking banana. Uh, it looks a little different. Okay, thank you very much. Hang on. Don't, don't leave yet, because I feel a little bad that I gave you a hot dog. I mean, but you got to save it till later. Okay, thank you very much. Y'all can have a seat. Okay, this is a really silly thing. Uh, and to be honest, I, I don't like hot dogs at all. They're, they're, they're gross and disgusting. Um, but from the outside, it appeared that this was in fact a banana. But as you open it up and you see, it is not a banana. It's a slimy, uncooked hot dog. And anybody who wants it later on, they can come and get it. You know, it's important that we test the spirits and, and we make sure... Not just for ourselves, but for those around us. Because, as we understand, we have to watch out for false prophets. False prophets back at that time, maybe were similar to what they are today in the sense that it causes people to leave the narrow road and to walk to the broad one. To leave the path that they're on. And this is what false prophets do. And what we have to do is take measures to get rid of them. I want to read this 2nd John chapter 2 starting in verse 10 it says if anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, teaching that Jesus Christ is Lord, do not take him into your house or welcome him. Anyone who welcomes him shares in his wicked work. Did you hear that? If anyone comes in and is saying other, anything other than the fact that Jesus Christ is Lord, and that He came in the flesh and He died for us, and it is His blood and His mercy that forgives us. If anybody doesn't say that, did you hear what John said? Don't welcome Him in your house. Close the door. Protect yourselves, protect your family, protect your children. Don't allow them into your house. You see, we know what happens when Satan uses leaders to destroy families and churches and lives. They are dangerous. They destroy relations inside and reputations outside. The last thing I want to talk about for just a moment is that a tree, in order to produce the right fruit, it has to be correctly pruned. Now I don't know if you've seen this before, it took me a while to believe that this would happen, but I remember the first time I watched my grand-grand go out and, and just annihilate that beautiful rose bush as she pruned it down and cut it down and I thought, she just killed that thing. And yet next year it grew back even more beautiful with more blooms. It also reminds me in that same yard, there was a pear tree. And I'm not a big fan of pears, but that was one of the jobs that I had as a child. And even as I got older, I was the one tall enough who could reach and pull those pears and put them into a, a bucket. Well, I don't know what happened. I don't know if my granddad put extra miracle grow, but that tree, several years in a row, had so many pears. But you know what happened? What happened if you didn't pull the pears off? It broke the branches. The branches would literally, under the weight of these pears, start to fall down. And that's a reminder for each one of us, as you produce fruit, it's not for your own benefit, it's for the benefit of others, and you have to be willing to share it. Otherwise, it's just going to go to waste. And so now we end up with this, This last phrase, where these these believers, should we call them, stand before Jesus, many of them, and they say, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in Your name? Didn't we perform miracles? Didn't we drive out demons? And His response is what? You see, there's two things we have to understand when it comes to serving Jesus. The one thing is this. Do you know what they called Him, by the way? What did they call Him? Matthew chapter 7, looking down in verse, both in 21 and 22. What did they call Jesus? Lord. What does Lord mean? It means master. It means the one who I work for. Boss. They come to him and they say, Master, haven't we done everything? And we followed all these rules. And one of the stipulations to following Jesus means that you have to follow him. That you follow the rules. It means that you're on a narrow road. It means that you choose to be a person of integrity and love and forgiveness. Not just some of those. God doesn't say, love people and show to church, but you you don't have to forgive people. You have to do that. But as you stand before God and you say, I have followed all these things, I've trusted you and I've obeyed you, and yet you missed out on the relationship, the response is I'm not just a boss. I'm not the one that that writes a checklist that you fill out. I'm more than that. What do you do to get to know Jesus? What do you get to what do you do to get to know anyone? Is it simply a matter of following a list? Showing up at certain times? Punching the clock? Being there occasionally? Or is it something more? We seek to serve Him every moment, every day, every hour. I'm not suggesting this is an easy thing to do. If it were easy, Jesus would have called it the broad road. He would have said, following me means you go through the wide gate. It's hard enough to maintain a good, positive, solid relationship with someone who's next to you, who you can see and touch and have a conversation with. But having a relationship with God is seemingly much harder. And yet, that's what He calls us to. What does it mean to follow Jesus? Let me ask you this. Have you opened up yourself to Him? You long for opportunities. You look forward to the days of praising Him forever. That's the relationship that He desires. You follow Him or you don't. There's no in between. Even those who call Him Lord don't necessarily follow Him. He calls us to a relationship with Him. And this morning we call you to that same thing we invite you to join in to a relationship with our God, our Lord, and our Savior who has called us to serve Him, to love Him, and to know Him. This morning, I want you to ask yourself the question, does Jesus really know me? If not, I invite you to know and be known by Him. If there's any way that we can help you this morning, please come as we stand and sing.